Well, good morning. And, oh, somebody's awake in the van. Pete, not surprised. Um, It's so good to be gathered here together as the body of Christ for this time of worship. Uh, For those of you who are here in the room and for those of you who are worshiping online, we send our greetings to you as well. Okay, so it was an exciting week. The Olympics started. How many are Olympic watchers? Okay, now the big question. Are you a summer watcher or a winter watcher? Not currently, but like in general. Oh, okay. We're, we lean, I think, as a church to the winter Olympics. Um, nine o'clock, too. Hmm. I wonder what this says about us. I don't know. Uh, I'm the associate pastor, Michelle Andrews, and I um, am glad to welcome you to this time of worship this morning. Um, and we are glad that you are here. We're in the midst of this series where we are looking beyond the basics. Um, Last Sunday, Reverend Nicole gave um, a great message, a helpful message on understanding the Trinity. Today, we're going to look at the Bible. Next week, we'll explore prayer, and then we will finish up the series looking at salvation. These are four basics to our faith. Um, but they are, there's so much to know about them. I think they're four things that we think as Christians we should know, but there's no way to know all of it. Um, So we're taking a look at some of these foundational things. Um, I think always there's more to be learned about our faith, more to discover about our relationship with God, more to experience about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And all of these pieces, uh, when they come together, help us to live out our faith each day. Old Bibles intrigue me. Um, When I hold an old Bible, I can't help but think about the hands that have held them and flipped pages and the prayers that have been said using the scriptures as a guide. I can't help think about questions asked and wisdom found and comfort searched for. Um, There is a family Bible. It's my paternal grandfather's on that side of the family. And you remember how in old Bibles there was a place at the beginning where you wrote marriage dates and birth dates and death dates. The first um, inscription in there is the wedding of, I didn't figure out the um, generations past, but it's the late 1800s. And when I um, have had the time to have that Bible um, in my possession, I just am struck. I don't know those people. They died many, many, many years before I was born. But they're my family, and this was their Bible um, that they used in times. Every year, one of my favorite things that we do here in the church is we give our incoming third graders their own Bible. And we bring them up front, and we give them their Bible. And one of the things that we have them do is to open it and smell it. Because it has that new book smell. Do do you remember what the new books smelled like? So many of us have digital um, books now. But for me, there's nothing like the smell of a new book. We flip through the pages to see that they're not crinkled and not bent and not written on and not highlighted. They haven't been used. And then we tell them that if we ask them to bring their Bible back in a year, that we hope that it was crinkled and bent and written on and highlighted and used Because the words that are in there have meaning in our lives, but we have to get into them and read them and study them. 
Um, The Bible is a book that's full of information, um, but it also is a mode of transformation. Um, It's this collection of words and stories that really have power in our lives when we are open to what they have to say to us. So we're going to look today um, here at some of the very basic pieces of the Bible because I think that not everyone um, knows this. So the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books. You can kind of think about it as a library. It's a library of books all put together in one book. It's in two parts, two testaments, um, the New Testament, the Old Testament, Um, And testament means covenant or an agreement between two parties. So the Old Testament was a first covenant between God and God's people, the nation of Israel. And the New Testament was God's new covenant made through Jesus. Um, And we sometimes refer to the Old Testament as the Hebrew scripture. So those can be used interchangeably. I grew up in the church. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to vacation Bible school. I'd read pieces of the Bible. I knew the stories of the Bible. I knew about Daniel and Noah and Jonah and Jesus, Adam and Eve, those stories that we become familiar with. But it wasn't until I was an adult that I really read the whole Bible. And it wasn't until I was in seminary that um, I got this sort of very high view of the Bible and began to understand for myself that the Bible is an overarching story of God's love for God's people. From um, creation, when God spoke and breathed all that we have into being, to the stories where we hear that God claimed us as his people, to the stories that tell us about God's faithfulness and calling us back to him when we stray. The stories of the gift of Jesus that made a new way to live in relationship with God. To the stories that teach us how to share God's love through the way we live. Our scriptures are this history of God working to mold us into the fullness of who God wants and needs us to be. To live lives that draw others closer to God so that they might also know that love. So let's look um, a little bit deeper at the format. The Hebrew scriptures were written in Hebrew and Aramaic. There are 39 books from Genesis to Malachi. And these are the stories of God's relationship with the people of Israel. And it's broken down into four sections. You might think of it as genres of of books. So there are five books of the law. From creation and God's plan for the world, how God intended God's people to live in a righteous and good life in relationship with him. And we find in here the stories of Noah and Moses and Abraham and Sarah. There are 12 books of history that are the story of the nation of Israel, the ups and downs, the goods and the bads. Joshua and the temple, the division of Israel, are found in the history books. There are five wisdom or poetry books, um, and these are songs, poems, wise sayings um, for God's people. So psalms and proverbs are in here. And then there are 17 books that are prophets, these people who spoke on behalf of God, warning people uh, to turn back to God when they had strayed, and reminding them that when we stray, 
and when we come back, that God is always faithful to us. So we might hear in some of the Hebrew scriptures this foreshadowing of Jesus. So because we know the New Testament, and we know the Gospels, and we know all the rest of those stories, we know Jesus— we might be able to read, as we look at some of the Old Testament stories, a foreshadowing to Jesus. Right during Advent and Christmas, we hear the stories of the prophets and Isaiah saying, a child will be born, and we have the ability, because we've read the New Testament, to connect those dots. Um, But I think it's important and helpful to remember that those original hearers, Jesus hadn't been born yet, so they didn't know that was coming Let's look at the New Testament. Written in Greek, there are 27 books from Matthew to Revelation, and these are the stories of Jesus and the church. It's also broken into four categories or genres. There are the four Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is one book of history. It's the book of Acts, and this is the history and the story of the early church. It's the stories of um, how the gospel spread from Jerusalem out into the world and to the Gentiles. There are 21 books of letters. Most of them we attribute to Paul. And these were letters um, to individuals or churches um, focusing on who Jesus was, why following him was important, how to live together as a community of faith. And then one book of prophecy, the book of Revelation, where we read about Jesus' second coming. So we have Genesis at the beginning and Revelation at the end. And I think it's helpful, um, if you're a logical thinker, to know that overall structure. It's not a chronological history um, story of our history, but it is this story of God's movement in the world and God's people's response to that. One of the things I hear from time to time is the Bible is an old book, right? There's nothing in there for me. It was written thousands of years ago to people who have been long dead in a place that I don't live. There's nothing there for me. I think that's an incorrect perspective to have. Those are ancient stories. They are ancient words written to people who have been dead for a long time. But their messages are as relevant for us today and alive for us today as they were back then. Four or five years ago, a group of leadership staff and lay leaders um, created these seven statements, the seven things we know to be true. Um, If you haven't seen them, they're on our website, and they also, there are posters on this back wall in that hallway. Um, If you haven't seen those statements, I invite you to take a look at them. One of them says this, the Bible has a message for us today. And as we expanded on that, we wrote, understanding the Bible isn't always easy, but its message and lessons are relevant to each of us. I think when we are willing to investigate and engage with what the Bible has to say will find messages for us today in the context of our life and the situations uh, that we are dealing with. This morning's scripture uh, comes from one of those uh, letters from Paul. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But you must continue with the things you have learned and found convincing. 
You know who taught you. Since childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting and for training character, so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This um, passage is how chapter 3 ends, and there is just one more chapter 4 in um, 2 Timothy. And in this is this reminder and encouragement to Timothy to have faith in the scriptures, to have faith in what he knows, remembering that they are foundational to his life and to his work of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I think there are three things in those verses that are relevant for us today. And the first is this. It's from verse 14. The Bible is trustworthy. Paul wrote, continue with the things you have learned and found convincing. Life wasn't easy for the early Christians. They faced persecution and imprisonment. And we believe that Paul wrote this letter from a Roman prison not too long before the end of his life. When life gets hard, life gets hard. And what we see around us is unsteady. It can be so critical to have something that you know you can trust in. I think in the last almost two years of this pandemic, um, most of us have needed this reminder at one or a hundred times. We have needed to know and believe that God doesn't go away when things get hard. We've needed to be reminded that the stories uh, that we read in the scriptures tell us who God is today, not just in the past. The Bible is trustworthy. The second thing is this. The Bible leads us to salvation. Verse 15 says, You have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Our salvation is possible because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus paid the price for our sins. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are able to receive the gifts of forgiveness and grace and restoration for what was broken. The Bible teaches us how to live believing that the hope of eternal life is true. Every day is an opportunity for us to know Jesus better. And as we follow Jesus more closely, our relationship with and connection to God deepens. The third thing is this. The Bible teaches us how to live. It is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character. There were people in this time who Paul refers to as false teachers. These people who actively taught against Jesus and his teachings and his ministry. And here Paul is reminding Timothy that the scriptures are the litmus test for what is true. I think this is the same for us today. Lots of things pull at our attention and our focus. There is a lot that promises that success and happiness can be found outside of our faith. Timothy reminds us here 
sorry, Paul reminds us here that the Bible and Jesus teach us what is true and how to live into that truth. So we've heard three points from this passage of um, Timothy. Reading and studying the Bible, knowing those words deepen our faith because they are trustworthy. They lead us to salvation. They teach us how to live. We're going to look um, at a couple of ways to read the Bible um, in a way that we might find application and relevance for our lives. But before we do that, I want to look at how we as United Methodists understand the Bible. There are differing opinions on um, how the scripture, how the words of scripture came to be. There are some who believe that God dictated every word and someone wrote down what God was saying. There are some who believe that God inspired through the power of the Holy Spirit those writers as they were writing. So we have very differing opinions um, and all of the place in the middle I think it's helpful for us as United Methodists to know um, our denomination's understanding and also to understand that within that we have different perspectives. We are different people who have led different lives in different contexts. So wherever you are in the midst of this, know that there is a place for you and we continue to have conversation. So this is how the United Methodists, um, in a condensed version, Um, look at the Bible, and we're going to look at the first two together. God inspired the writers, and the Holy Spirit guided what they wrote, and the Spirit is with us when we read and study. The power of God that we have access to that comes through us, through the Holy Spirit, leads and guides us to live correctly. That same power, that same Spirit, guided the writers as they were writing the scriptures. And so when we read and study the Bible, and when we seek the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be with us in the midst of that, that's where we can find those relevant meanings for our lives today. The Bible teaches us about Jesus, God, church, salvation, how to live right and wrong, how to treat other people. Does that live true for um, your experience as you have read the Bible? As you've read the Bible, um, if you have, have you learned about Jesus? Have you learned about God? Have you learned about the church? Have you learned how to live right and wrong? Have you learned how to live well? This is really practical stuff that spans time, right? We, all of us, continue to be on this journey of faith, learning what it means for us to live as a follower of Jesus, learning how to align our um, way of living with what God intends for us. The last one here is that we encounter it through our tradition. We encounter scripture here when we are gathered in worship. Scripture shapes so much of the music that we sing in worship, We learn what it says in Sunday school classes or Bible studies. We study it together in the context of the church with the intent that it will shape our lives individually and as a body. What we do, how we live out our faith, should be affected and guided by our understanding of the scriptures. I have a caution. 
Um, We have all heard the stories, I would imagine, most of us have heard the stories, um, the instances of people taking a small portion of Scripture and interpreting it in some way. We, you and I, have the ability to take the words of Scripture and to bend them to justify a belief or a position that we hold. Have you heard these stories where something's been taken out of context to prove that someone is right and someone is wrong? I think when we do that, we try to control the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to transform our lives and our hearts and our thoughts. How we interpret and read the Bible should make us look more like Jesus and not make Jesus look more like how we want him to. Two ways that we are going to look at that we can read the Bible that lead us from information to transformation. And these are practical um, things that I encourage you to try. Um, I should have said at the beginning that the sermon notes will be up on the app by noon. Um, So I'm sorry if you haven't had them yet, but they will be there right after worship. Um, And these two things that we're going to look at now will be there. So there are these four questions that you can use to overlay a passage of scripture. And the first is, what did the passage mean to its original hearers? It is so helpful to know the original context, the culture, the time, the place in history, where it was written, the type of literature. So what did the passage mean to its original hearers? And you have to do a little exploring and research to learn some of those things. What part does it play in the whole story of Scripture? We talked at the beginning about um, the Old Testament, that first covenant that God had with God's people, and the New Testament, the second um, agreement that God had with God's people through Jesus. There are some things that you'll find um, that don't match up. Jesus came, um, and in his coming, some of the guidelines and restrictions that had been on the people at the beginning were no longer necessary. Faith and salvation came through following Jesus. So to know where in the scripture, the whole of the scripture is helpful. And then ask yourself, what is God saying to me? Pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would guide you as you read the words, that you would be open to knowing what the meaning is for your life. And then the last of these questions is, what do I need to do differently? This is the so what question. We can read the Bible as a story that happened a really long time ago, or we can invite it to shape how we live. We can seek and find guidance that's relevant for today's context, and we can look for transformation and not just information. The second format that we are going to look at is a very Methodist way of reading the scriptures and interpreting them, and this is the Wesleyan quadrilateral. It's attributed to John Wesley, but it really, um, he used this but he's not the one um, who came up with this. So there are four sides to a quadrilateral. There is scripture, which you'll notice has the longest line, tradition, experience, and reason. 
And when we use this quadrilateral, it's a way of inviting the scriptures to influence how we live. So the first, the most important, is scripture. What does the Bible say? John Wesley taught that scripture was always the primary source for our lives and for guidance. What the Bible says is where we start. Tradition is what is the collective understanding. What understanding do we have at this point in history throughout Christendom? So what do Christians believe or understand? And what do we as United Methodists understand that the scripture is saying? The third is experience. How do I see or understand or live in the world today? So what part of my life, what about the life that I have lived and the experiences that I have had shapes how I hear or interpret the scripture? And then reason is no. What do I know? This is the knowledge. Um, what have I been taught? What does science say? So the quadrilateral is these four sides, scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. And I thought it might be helpful this morning to sort of walk through a real-life experience with these four um, and the quadrilateral. So when the pandemic first began to impact this part of the world, um, and for a number of months after, um, the staff and leadership met regularly to try to figure out what to do what to do about um, these restrictions on being able to gather in person um, for worship. And worship is the most important thing that we do. Um, if we look to scripture, we read so often about worship. In Psalm 66, it says, All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. So we knew that our scripture was telling us, and our faith tradition was telling us, that worship was important. And then we looked at tradition. It is part of United Methodism um, that we practice worship regularly, both private through our devotions and spiritual disciplines, and publicly when we gather as we have this morning. So tradition told us that we needed to find a way to worship, that it was important. We looked at reason. This is the what do we know and this came into play because of the precautions and the guidelines that were um, related to COVID that prohibited us from gathering like we are this morning. Experience was the piece that helped us find a solution. Um, we had the equipment to do worship in an online format, and we had people who knew how to do that. So in this context for us, our experience was that we could do online worship. And so we began to intentionally do online worship that so many of us experienced um, in those months when we couldn't gather. So that's a very simple, real-life way to sort of live out the quadrilateral. It can be a little bulky, and the best way, I think, um, to make it less bulky and more nimble is to practice it. Um, there's lots of information online, um, and you can access the sermon notes later if you want to try um, using the quadrilateral. Okay, I feel like there was a lot today. Are we okay? 
Okay, we're good. Um, There is so much. I mean, we could talk forever and ever about what's in the Bible and what um, it means to us. But I think the structure and this overarching idea of how it's put together and why it's been put together can be so helpful for us uh, to help us to understand how these words that were written so long ago are still relevant and meaningful for us today. We can believe that Scripture is trustworthy that it is helpful as we seek salvation, and that it gives us a foundation to hold on to when things get hard. So a couple practical steps. Wherever you are in your understanding and relationship with the Bible, there's always another step that we can take to deepen our understanding. So here are just a couple. One of them um, is read the Bible every day. Don't be intimidated by it. Um, And there are some books that I might not start with. Some of the books are difficult to understand. Um, But reading the Bible even a little bit every day just helps you become more familiar with it. Join a small group or a Sunday school class or a Bible study. Find a friend that will meet with you once a week. Read a passage and talk about it. Enhance your resources. Um, There are so many resources, and so many of them are online right now. Commentaries um, and books with different perspective. And let me just encourage you here um, to look beyond. Right? I am a white woman who grew up in the United States, um, in suburban United States. And so my life experience influences the way I read and interpret the scriptures. But someone who grew up in very rural United States, someone who grew up in South America or Asia or Africa or anywhere else, their life experiences give them different perspective and a different context to understand the scriptures. And so by expanding our reading and looking to theologians and commentators who have a different life experience and history than us, helps us widen our understanding of scripture and God, and Jesus. So I encourage you. um, It's scary, but make that step. It will help you deepen your understanding. Our faith is so rich, and truly it is what offers us hope uh, in Jesus. So I encourage us, myself included, to be more intentional about reading the Bible um, and watching and inviting it to deepen your faith. It helps us to go beyond the basics and to a deeper relationship with God. Let us pray. Okay.